Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you here at the NovaCare Complex, and we are, as I check my watch, two weeks away, plus a couple of hours, from the 2022 NFL Draft. It's relatively quiet now. The Eagles conducting their top 30 visits, which will end very shortly here. And then it's the stretch run to the draft. Will the Eagles sign another free agent between now and then? Will they make another trade between now and then? And what about the weekend, the final weekend in this month of April, when the Eagles have two first-round draft picks? They've got five picks in the first 101 selections, nine picks in the first five rounds. They've got 10 picks overall. This is going to be a wild one for Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni, and the Philadelphia Eagles. On this Eagles Insider Podcast, we're going to kind of take a step back to the NFL's annual meeting. Had a chance to talk to a lot of people there. A lot of things going down with the Philadelphia Eagles and the NFL, and we're going to explore them more deeply today with John Ferrari, a vice president in football operations and football administration. He's in charge of the Eagles' compliance, which means the Eagles have to play by the rules on the field, off the field. And John and I will talk about the NFL's changing rules for the 2022 season, highlighted, of course, by an overtime rule that the Eagles championed And that, of course, is that both teams in the postseason will have at least one possession offensively in overtime. We'll talk about that with John Ferrari. In our extra point, we're going to explore a recent signing the Eagles made that we'll see what happens down the line with a wide receiver by the name of Devin Allen. But certainly his background is so, so interesting. But first, let's begin From the NFL's annual meeting, some one-on-one time with head coach Nick Sirianni. It was really the first time he'd had a chance to get face-to-face with his brethren in the league as a group. The meetings held in West Palm Beach, Florida. Owners, general managers, head coaches, key executives throughout the 32-team NFL were present. And head coach Nick Sirianni, glad to be there and glad to be part of what the Eagles are building here in 2022 and beyond. I wonder like, what you get out of these meetings, what these meetings are like for you, how much you enjoy them. Um, I, you know, I've really, I've really enjoyed getting to know some of the, the other coaches um, that, that uh, you know, I, I, knew, I knew Frank, that's about it, right, of the guys that I've worked with. I haven't worked with any of these other guys, but it's been cool like, to talk to them a little bit more than... Um, than just the pregame on the, on the, in the middle of the field. Now, no one's sharing any secrets, and uh, we want to we do that, but it's just been cool to kind of get to know them and uh, my wife get to know their wives or, or my kids to get to know their kids. So it's, it's kind of cool in that sense of um, just getting to, to know some of the other GMs and the coaches around the NFL. Does it remind you of the enormity of the NFL? Yeah, yeah, just you see this, that there's just – it's – so popular, right? There's so many people here, um, so many people, different people here, and it, it's cool. Yeah, it, it, so it does. Yeah. Hassan Reddick is the big acquisition to date in the offseason, and you know his production, his leadership. Um, 
can you talk about what you what you like about him, what you think he brings to this team, not only in sack totals, but in everything else? Yeah, you know, obviously, first and foremost, the type of player he is, uh, you know, he can get after the passer. Um, and you're always looking to affect the quarterback on the other team, right? And so he definitely can do that. He's shown that. Um, he's really fast. He's really explosive. He's got great moves off the great moves off the edge um, to get to the quarterback, and, and we know that he's going to be able to do that. Um, and then, how cool is it for a guy to come home to to play? I think that that would be so cool. Like, um, I think he where where do you go? Haddon Heights. I'm looking forward to when he first gets announced out there. That you know Hassan Reddick from Haddon Heights and Temple. And how cool will that be um, for him? And so, um, and then I just think the, the type of person that he is, he's just going to continue to maximize his potential because he does love, he loves football. Um, he's tough. He's competitive. Um, he's got high character and, and high football IQ. And so I, I know that that's the, the common, those are the common traits that we're looking for in players. And he has all those things. And, and then on top of that, he has talent, and which is the first thing that you look for, obviously. Fans don't really take into the into consideration the character part of it. Like, where does that, that where, explain to the fans why that's important for a head coach? I think you well, you want the guy again. It goes into why every part of that. Like, you want him to love football, and you want him to to be a high character guy in a sense that you know that he's going to be all in for football, right? You know that he's going to be all in for the job that he's being paid to do, and those guys maximize their potential, right? And so with the parity being so tight in this in this league, you want more guy you want as many guys like that on your team as you possibly can have. So they just continue to get better and get better and get better. I think that was kind of evident of our season. I think that's the type a lot of the guys that we had last year on this football team were exactly like that, right? And what happens there? Well when some teams plateau, right, you know, they start off five and two or they start off two and five, then they plateau. You know, I felt like we just continued to get better. We were two and five and we continued to get better, continue to get better, continue to get better, continue to get better because of the type of guys that we have on this football team. And, and that can propel you late into a season. Zach Pascal's talked a lot about your relationship. You've talked about it. I and mean, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I, I think that to me, right, is we live our core values, right? Uh, we live our f core values, and our first core value is connecting. And so that's not just something I, I wanted to do as a head coach. It's something I strive to do as a position coach. I strive to do as a, as a coordinator. So to hear, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why you get into coaching. And, and so to hear a player that I've had a past relationship with on a different team say that, that, that means a lot. And uh, look forward and super excited that Zach's on this team and we can continue to grow our, our relationship and he can continue to make plays uh, for our, our, our organization. Do you think that connection helped him? Kind of, he'd been cut three times, he found a home in Indianapolis. Do you think that connection helped him develop as a player? You know, uh, Zach, Zach gets all the credit for why he developed as a player. He, you know, he dropped some weight. Uh, He'll, tell you, he'll be the first one to tell you that from when he got cut to, to his time in Indianapolis. But he played his butt off uh, in Indianapolis, and he made it so we, we couldn't cut him, right? And he had to be on that opening day roster. And so hey, the connection part, um, again, I, I don't ever want to take credit for, for that, but, like, we, we definitely connected him, myself and Zach, Zach and Kevin Petulo, who was his position coach, 
uh, but Zach gets all the credit for you know uh, why he made it in the NFL. So for the fans who don't really know him, what does he bring to the team? Uh, toughness. Uh, I think you'll you can watch, you can put on any tape and you can he, you're going to see a guy leaving it all out in the field uh, of playing physical, of playing tough. Um, and you know he's you're gonna see good body quickness at the top of you know getting in and out of breaks and good hands and um, but you know the main thing and and so he has all those receiver skills that you want uh, but you're gonna you're you're just gonna see toughness you can't have enough tough guys like uh, we have a tough team there's no doubt about it um, with the guys that we have on, on this football team right now we have guys that are tough and I think and we're gritty and, and grimy and I think that's what our kind of our motto was all last year we're just adding another piece to that uh a guy that fits in well to the building that that's going to be gritty grimy and tough as well nick there's roster stability that fits in well with the city too i right? think so absolutely yeah. absolutely there's roster stability i mean big deal to you come one year to the next of course yeah um you know the more pieces of, of guys that you feel like are uh that can contributed to you uh to your to the success of the team um yeah, you want those guys back, right? Because you, you know what you're getting from them. You know that you can win with them. And so uh, that's a big portion of it. And we're, we're excited. Staff, uh, staff continuity as well uh, is, is huge. Um, we lost one piece. Uh, you know, we lost Jim Bob uh, Cooter. He went to be the pass game coordinator at Jacksonville. But, um, you know, so staff, staff continuity and player continuity, that, that's great, right? You, you hear all those college teams all the time, like, they got every starter back, and, and we, feel, we feel good about the, the team that we have, and we're still continuing to look to build upon it. Finally, Nick, to, to have gone through the season that you went through, the way you started, as you talked about, the way you reached the postseason, to have that playoff experience, a benefit from one year to the next what for the team and for you? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, again, that experience to, to, to get into the playoffs is, is huge, and, and then that that bitterness that we have that we had to go home early uh that would be good that would be good as well you never want to go home early but i know our guys are feeding off that and uh, I'm, I'm sure i am as well and just look to get better each day uh to put ourselves in a position where we can get back in and make some noise thanks nick yep thanks dave when i last spoke with john ferrari we were talking last summer about the eagles and the changing game with the covid19 pandemic and what that meant for nfl teams from the 2020 season to the 2021 season, when fans came back to the stadiums. And training camp, again, held at the NovaCare Complex. This time, John and I talk about rules changes in the NFL. So without further ado, one-on-one, John Ferrari explaining what is new in the game in the season ahead. All right, John Ferrari, let's talk rule changes for 2022. And obviously the one that everybody wants to talk about is overtime. Um, how did it go down uh, and, and what exactly is the rule change? Dave, first I want to say, uh, first day we're all back in the NovaCare complex today. The relaxation of the COVID protocols, uh, a long overdue day, uh, first day since March of 2020. Right, you've got, you're, you're very casual. Um, Overtime. So we had, uh, interestingly, we had uh, put in a proposal. The Colts had put in a proposal that was almost identical. So we got together at the Combine and 
um, reviewed both proposals and decided to merge the two and to put them together. There's always strength in numbers from that perspective. So we thought that uh, if we presented it together um, and uh, there was also Tennessee's was sitting out there. Um, which was similar, slightly slight variation that we it provided the best chance for success, um, and then you you work with some of the people at the league over the process from the combine to the league meeting uh, to tighten up the language to make sure there's no holes in the language. Even something as simple as giving a second possession and overtime can create a waterfall, a cascade of unintended consequences if you're not making sure that your language is totally buttoned up. So that's what we did. And we felt really good about it going into league meeting. We felt like we had support. You're never quite sure. Um, a lot of people liked it for postseason only. Our proposal was for postseason and regular season. The thinking being that uh, you don't want the game to be different in the regular season and the postseason. You want to keep it as similar as possible. And w- the reason that I think a lot of people didn't like the idea of extending the game in the regular season um, but we felt like the analytics at the league office, the analytics guys ran the numbers, and it, the whole proposal was going to add about approximately 30 plays a year out of 41,000 plays from scrimmage. So we didn't feel like it was a player safety concern. Um, we liked keeping it aligned, even though there are kind of necessary differences between regular season and postseason uh, overtime. Anyway, that being said, it got to the floor. Uh, it had support. People were very interested in it. It got amended on the floor to go from both regular season and postseason to just the postseason. Uh, and then it passed 29 to 3. And uh, I think people were pretty uniformly um, excited about the possibility that both teams will get a chance to possess that ball. Specifically, that that's it. So you win the coin toss. What happens? What options do you have, John? So you win the coin toss. You can choose to receive the ball. You can choose to kick the ball, or you can choose which goal to defend. So you, it's it's the same as the uh, it's really the, essentially the same as the top of the game, start of the game. So you know it's interesting. It presents a lot of different strategy options. If you receive the ball first and you go down and score a touchdown, and then Team B goes down and scores a touchdown, um, you're gonna and you you know the game is tied after those two possessions. You're gonna get that third possession. You can win the game in sudden death on a field goal. So there's an advantage there. There's also an advantage to kicking off and getting the ball second and knowing what you have to get right. Oh, oh A went down and scored a touchdown. I'm B. And I'm playing four down football down the field. I'm not. I'm not kicking field goals. I'm not punting. I know exactly what I need to do. There's some. There's some strategic advantage to that knowledge. So, both receiving the ball, kicking the ball, and then there's weather. And maybe the goal to defend becomes the most important thing because of the weather, because some other, you know, wind, some other consideration. So there's a lot of different strategic. Um, opportunities, I think, presented by the rule. So, so it seems fairly cut and dry. Overtime, it's no longer sudden death. Now, after the first possession, then it becomes sudden death. Correct. Both teams possess the ball. You know, now if A goes on, kicks a field goal, B do, B gets to possess the ball, and then if the game's tied after that, we go into sudden death. We saw the Chiefs and the Bills game this postseason, where Kansas City went right down. Under this proposal now, the Bills would have received the ball. They would have had an opportunity to possess if they went down and scored a touchdown. And they kicked an extra point, and we're tied after the those two possessions. Then we go to sudden death. Buffalo also could have gone down, scored a touchdown, and been down one and had the opportunity to go for two and won the game right there at the end of that second possession. So, again, a lot of different strategic things to think about uh, and a lot of t- decisions to make and sort of analyze. Um, and it's the postseason only, so we've got plenty of time to, to prepare for 
to those decisions. So is is that primarily the, the major rule change for 2022? Is there anything else that, that emerged from the NFL's annual meeting? That was the that was the big one. There was a change last year uh, regarding, you know, the onside kick. Since they changed the kickoff rules in 2018, the onside kick recovery rate was down. So they made a rule change uh, last year, which you could ha- you limited the number of guys in the setup zone, trying to help the, the kicking team uh, increase that onside kick recovery rate. Um, it did that, that the, the recovery rate went from about 7% to about 13%, which was the, the historical rate of onside recoveries. They liked that change they made. So it was voted to make it permanent. Um, again, not a major change and not something people might think about a lot, but you know, when you, when you're onside kicking and the difference between 7% and 13% recovery rate is significant. So they were happy about that. And then some other little changes, um, like things like uh, people might have noticed the game where Seattle had a double punt from behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, they made little changes like the player kicking that double punt his in order for it to be a penalty, his entire body has to be crossed the line of scrimmage for it to be an illegal kick the same way. When you see a passer, his entire body has to be beyond the line of scrimmage for it to be an illegal forward pass. That kicker's body has to be entirely past the line of scrimmage. His, every part of his body has to be passed for it to be a f- penalty. Little cleanup things like that. In that instance, was he penalized? I don't recall. He was penalized, but he wasn't all the way across the line of scrimmage? They threw a flag on that play, and they ended up picking it up, correctly picking it up. Um, because it was not the rule book permits for that double kick and that kicker's body was not entirely past the line of scrimmage. So they're just changing the tweaking the rule book language to uh, reflect the way it already was intended, always intended to be. But that play was not penalized. And that's it. That, that, that's it. That's it. It was a minor year. It wasn't a big year for changes. We think the overtime thing will be a, a positive and it'll, it'll move the game forward a little bit. But overall, it was a minor year. You know, it was a big transition year from the, an officiating standpoint at the officiating leadership level um, and the, the replay assist process, which was new for 2021. That was sort of in its infancy and that was successful. Now we're going to take another step forward this year. So there's a lot of. Um, Sort of little trial balloons outside with officiating that were that there are we're still in that in that trial phase. So, um, but not a lot of changes this year. Not a big year for change. Anticipate next year might be a bigger year for change as we have more data on some of the changes that were made in nineteen and twenty. Thanks, John. Thank you, David. And we finish things up with this episode's extra point: the Eagles last week adding a wide receiver who has made himself an international star, but not in the game of football. Devin Allen was once a four-star recruit, a wide receiver with blazing speed. He went to the University of Oregon and had a terrific redshirt freshman year, a game-breaker at wide receiver, a big playmaker in the kickoff return game. Allen suffered injuries along the way, tore ACL, MCL, and meniscus in both his left knee and his right knee, eventually took a hiatus from the game of football to pursue a career in track and field. And Allen became one of the very fastest men in the entire world, a three-time national champion in the 110-meter hurdles. And in the most recent two Olympics, he was just a wisp away from making himself a medal winner. In fact, in last summer's games in Tokyo, he finished fourth just off the bronze medal time. 
It's always, though, been in the back of Allen's mind to get back into the NFL, or at least to give it a shot, to get back in the game of football and, and to pursue his dream. And so that's what he's been doing for the last couple of months, working out, training, trying to attract teams' attention in the game of football. He did just that at a recent pro day at the University of Oregon. The Eagles were on hand. They were impressed. They invited him to the Novacare Complex. And ultimately, the Eagles signed Allen to a contract. So is he a long shot? Yes. He comes in with speed that reportedly an official time of 4.35 in the 40 at the pro day at Oregon. And after that pro day, he spoke to reporters about getting back into the game of football, what it's been like transitioning to this game once again, and what he hopes to accomplish in the future. Uh, no, that was kind of always the plan. Uh, when I you know, had my last knee injury in 2016-17 season, uh, I decided that I was going to focus on track through the next Olympics. It actually took a, a year longer than I, I planned because of COVID. So, but you know, now we're here. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you know, I've honestly been playing football since I was five years old. So, it's almost more like natural to me than running track because I've been doing it longer. So, you know, when I was r running routes, you know, I first started running routes maybe six to eight weeks ago. Uh, I was like, man, this doesn't feel like I took any time off. Um, obviously, I need some work slowing down because I've just been running full speed my the last five years. But other than that, it's been good. So Devin Allen is now an Eagle. It's going to be a very interesting time to watch him when the players get on the field, when the pads go on a training camp, when the preseason begins. Can Allen make this football team as a kick returner and a wide receiver? He certainly brings speed to the game and certainly has a story. The long shot of long shots, four years away from the game, can he reclaim the playing ability that made him such a prized recruit coming out of high school? I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks so much for joining us on this Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks to Peter Kelly for his great work putting it all together. Thanks to Ray Doyle for his great work making it all come together as well in a different marketing production way. It takes a village here to put this together, including your participation. If you have a moment to give us a little review, we would appreciate that very much. We've concluded a link in the details section of your podcast library. Next week, I'm going to have a, a long chat with Eagles Chairman CEO Jeffrey Lurie about the uniforms. You remember a couple of weeks ago, the Eagles announcing that they would be wearing black helmets to go along with their black jerseys this season as an alternate jersey. And then in 2023, the classic Kelly Green returns in an alternate jersey fashion. How did it all happen? The genesis of the story with Chairman CEO Jeffrey Lurie in next week's Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks so much for joining everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly, and go Birds! E-A-T-L-E-S